Um, Carvalho, I have a you know rather pretty um I want to say philosophical question, but um the idea behind synonym is based on the conviction or belief that um Bitcoin would you know based on hyper Bitcoinization and the belief that you know Bitcoin is going to you know take over the um, monetary policy you know globally and um I believe that but to many people that may seem a little bit you know idealistic and um do you I would you what would you say to people who feel that um synonym might be kind of like a niche protocol similar to um wasabi coin join or even btc pay server where it's just um it's just like basically um used among um people who are bitcoin centric who are within our echo chamber for lack of a better word I would say that like most likely that person is probably an altcoiner and probably trying to justify, you know, their investment more than actually speak about any sort of, um, you know, philosophy or, or uh, you know, theoretical rationalization of why we're doing or why we shouldn't be doing what we're doing. Because first, like Synonym is a company um, and then Slash Tags is an open protocol. It doesn't, it's not tied to Bitcoin. You could, you could use, you know, if you wanted to apply the Slash Tags method to a different curve, like PGP or Ed Keys, like they're, they're, you could use any elliptic curve to establish yourself, you know, as an anchor in a network. It's just, it's just the concept of using a key pair to sign things. So slash tags, you know, could appear in Ethereum wallets or other things like this. There's nothing stopping it. Ethereum uses the same curve as Bitcoin. And so it, would, it wouldn't really be a stretch to see slash tags be a model that could be applied in altcoin wallets as well. So um, it, as far as slash tags goes, it's, it's generally curve or, or blockchain agnostic. It doesn't use a blockchain. Um, as far as our products and our strategy and our belief in Bitcoin, well, I, I think that calling an ideal is probably, um, you know, not fair because there's a lot of rationalization behind it. You could say maybe it's a theory or a hypothesis or this kind of thing um, that, you know, we, we could be wrong, but it doesn't require all the altcoins dying or even fiat dying for this to work or be useful to a lot of, to a lot, a lot of people. And Bitcoin is already like the majority, you know, cryptocurrency right now. And it always has been. And so it's like, it's, it's kind of hard to argue it as an ideal when I'm saying, look, we're just choosing to focus on developing for literally the most popular blockchain, the oldest blockchain, the most secure blockchain, the most valuable blockchain, that blockchain with the most hashing. Like it, it's kind of, you know, obviously, you know, uh, friendliness aside, it's a shit coiner concept to be able to say that Bitcoin is an ideal or a niche, you know? you have to basically be comparing it to like fiat currencies instead of altcoins. And at that point, you could say, yes, it's a niche. Very few people using Bitcoin compared to the amount of people that use fiat currency. But the idea here is to like give people an alternative to opt out of the legacy system and create a new system where the users are in control. And I think that that narrative and that use case, you know, I don't want to say it's self-evident so much as it's very compelling and it's certainly useful once people decide that is something that they want to embrace. John, can you talk about why you chose Omni? Like, I, I felt that was a really interesting choice. Sure. Um, so I've been trying to get tokens on Lightning ever since I worked at BitRefill. Um, the original, you know, we had an original strategy that involved, you, you guys are going to be very familiar with their BitRefill balance card and the, the progression of how that, like, 
was built into BitRefill. The next stage of that, you know, was always planned, you know, you know from my perspective, at least I, I hadn't convinced Sergey fully. Um, but, you know, my, my, my ideal in that case was to eventually convert the BitRefill card into a concept of gift tokens on Lightning and to also kind of use that as a way to kind of spearhead showing other vendors that they could do the same thing. And so basically getting a major gift card vendor to like show how having gift cards as bearer instruments is very useful and some of the problems it solves for users and for businesses, and which there are a lot and you can get into it if you want. Um, but your question was about which, why we chose specifically Omni. Um, so I had tried to, back then, I tried to uh, get some people together, including Tether and some other people to work on the concept for Lightning Tokens for a project called RGB. But the problem is like we focused on RGB for one or two years and it really went nowhere. And the technology and the people working behind it, it just, I couldn't continue to like bank on that that would happen or that it would ever ship. And so we started looking at alternatives and I had kind of ignored Omni in the past because I didn't actually understand how it worked. I thought that it was like a separate blockchain and that it had its own like native token and that you had to use like basically a, a shit coin to be able to use it. And, and so I just ignored it. But then somebody said, look, people kept telling me, you, you, need, you need to look at this. It doesn't work how you think. It doesn't work how you think. And then so when we started playing with it, I was informed that, the, that yes, there is an Omni token, but that token is just another token issued on the protocol like every other token. It's just somebody, you know, the organization did an ICO to try to raise money, but it doesn't actually natively require that token. It's just another token issue. I said, okay, well, I would prefer that didn't weren't true because like it would make it makes it easier to explain if I don't have to like explain that little, you know, asterisk, you know, side note. But then, uh, you know, it also doesn't use a blockchain. And so if you look at our website, um, synonym.to, you'll see that uh, we have an area specifically that talks about our design principles. And so like one of our design principles is that we really are trying to have this design limitation I mentioned earlier of only using the Bitcoin blockchain and no other blockchain. And so that basically rules out things like like liquid, um, things like using Ethereum tokens, and because they, they all require a separate blockchain. Like liquid is a private network. It's a federated network, kind of like what you mentioned earlier. Um, and I don't believe that it's possible to communicate to end users the trade-offs that you get into when you start using those uh, things. Like how do you explain to the end user that this liquid token is part of a federated network that's private and permissioned and here are the risks, you know, you just can't really do it inside of a wallet app. And so I, I just don't want to pass on and make decisions for users. And so we chose Omni because all it is is Omni is Bitcoin transactions. And so it just has, it uses the op return to include extra information. Um, and so we just have, Omni has a separate network that tracks basically the metadata about these Bitcoin transactions to be able to track token assignments to these Bitcoin transactions as well. And so you can use Omni to issue tokens on Bitcoin. And then a separate project made by a third party, third party called Omnibolt, they decided to add like basically the same lightning technology that's on Bitcoin to Omni. And so now you, so what we're, one of the other things we're working on is this capability to include, um, you know, Omni tokens on lightning network technology. So you can do like the same high frequency instant kind of uh, user experience for people, um, but using things like tether tokens instead.
for gift tokens. We interviewed Samson Mao and he was talking about how on Liquid, if you issue a token, Liquid could have its own lightning network for each token. Um, is, is that kind of what you mean by Omnibolt? Well, there's two concepts there. One is just discussing the concept of putting a liquid, putting a lightning network on something. And then the concept of how, like, no matter what you use, every single asset that you add to a lightning network is essentially its own lightning network because lightning network is liquidity based. And so you end up needing to rebuild the whole, a whole new network for every token that you add. And so like, I don't think we're going to see a lot of like kind of uh, scam tokens on lightning, like we saw on all coins, because there's this friction there where like, you have to actually be a company willing to issue a token on your reputation and willing to bootstrap a new lightning network just for your token. And so it's a, there's a little bit more of a overhead and a little bit more of a, of a hill to climb to make your token actually be lightning compatible in a meaningful way, because you need to actually serve lightning channels and sell them to people and start building out that network somehow, which gets into our block tank product, um, our LSP product, which, which we could talk about as well. And like I said, the other part you mentioned, just putting a lightning, a lightning network technology on top of a blockchain. I mean, you could theoretically do this on top of any blockchain. And so Liquid is its own blockchain, but, but like I mentioned earlier, it is a private blockchain. You have to have permission to be able to use it. There are special rules for who gets to govern the blockchain. There are special rules for who gets to audit the kind of confidential transactions. So it, like, it, it, it has certain qualities and features that other blockchains won't have or Bitcoin doesn't have, but it has a lot of trade-offs to achieve those qualities. And so, like I said, like, yes, you can put Lightning on Liquid, but now you have Bitcoin and then you have converting your Bitcoin into a private network and putting it in custody so you can get liquid Bitcoin. And then you have, now you have your liquid Bitcoin and tokens, and now you put a lightning network on top of that. And this is all separate from the existing lightning network. And so now you have like two lightning networks and, and Omnibolt has the same problem as far as being a separate lightning network. Every asset you issue does, but, but this is a separate network. Whereas now like we can combine, you know, with the Omnibolt stack, we already have Omni that's literally on top of Bitcoin. It is not a private network. Um, it does not require an extra blockchain. And then we can put Lightning on top of that. So we stay on the Bitcoin stack. One thing that I guess I'm interested in actually, because obviously we interviewed you, it was a while back now actually, wasn't it? But um, uh, before, anyway, I should say, uh, when, when did this, um, when did this idea, I guess, come to you that, you know, when did this realization come to you that, Hey, you know, we, we're talking, we're talking about sort of Bitcoin adoption and how can I kind of support it by creating this kind of separate web of trust and the separate web? When did this whole idea actually come to mind, I guess, cause it's interesting to see how long you've worked on it. And I guess a side question as well is like, uh, obviously you've got, uh, Paolo as CTO and so like there's, there's involvement from Tether and Bitfinex. Like when did you decide that they would be good people to partner with, to get this job done is, is another question. So to answer your first question, um, it, it kind of, it's a combination of things I, with, with slash tags. Um, it's actually something I started to work on before Bitcoin. Um, I, I used to have a, um, a marketing company and one of the things we, we were full service. And so we did, you know, branding, graphic design, printing, you know, advertising, any type of marketing. We did SEO and we did websites. 
And what I, you know, we got to learn a lot about websites and expectations of small businesses for like the SEO of their websites. And so we ended up, uh, me and another person in the company went and actually went to a Google training to like learn all about search engine marketing and Google AdWords and SEO. And so we like literally like were, I, I was a huge Google fan at the time. And so like my dream was actually to like quit my company and close my company at some point and just go work for Google. And so my plan was like taking, and, and one of my frustrations at the company was it really didn't make sense to me, you know, other than like, you know, a way to like lock people in, you know, um, that Google didn't just literally publish their waiting algorithm like publicly. Like I didn't like how like the SEO community was always having to kind of guess what Google preferred. And so they could kind of, you know, you know, have some kind of voodoo where they figure out how to get ranked really well. And that to me just seemed like friction that shouldn't be there. And so what I did was I started to design my, my plan was to design a concept where I'm going to design a Google killer. And then I'm going to present this to Google as a reason to hire me because I'm not an engineer. And so I knew that I had to have some sort of special angle to get a job at Google, you know, like, like back then it was like, so hyped, like the interview process is so hard. And so you have to be a genius to get a job there. And it was like, oh shit, like, I don't even know how to program. And I have to like go over there and try to get a job. And I really wanted to work there. Cause I liked all the, like, I liked the concept of how they had like 20% time where you could work on whatever you wanted. And, you know, it's just, it was just so much opportunity. It was like mind expanding, like the way Bitcoin was when I, when I discovered that. And, uh, and so I did kind of actually work on the idea and how it would work to basically kill Google. And that was the beginning of the idea of slash tags. And so I kind of worked on that, you know, passively for a year or two back in like 2012 or something. Um, or actually probably even earlier than that, because it was right before Bitcoin. Um, and I, find, I, I started in Bitcoin at the end of 2012. And, uh, then I kind of got distracted for a while. You know, I was uh, doing the Bitcoin thing and then I did uh, the, the streaming website and then I worked at BitRefill. But then I, when I was at, while I was at BitRefill, um, these ideas started coming back and I started like, my mind started expanding again as I saw how people were actually using Bitcoin, like circular economy stuff and, you know, the little hacks people would do to like make their life easier, like with gift cards combined with Bitcoin. And, and also how people were starting to use stable coins and how a lot of people were requesting the ability to pay with stable coins and tokens. And so I started doing a lot of, you know, I started doing a lot of thinking about, and Sergey like would, you know, he left a big impression on me when I first joined because he was like, you know, you have to come up with an idea for hundred Xing this company. Um, <laughs> and I was like, it wasn't my job so much as like, if I was going to keep proposing ideas, they had to be really good ideas. And so, um, I kind of like really took that to heart. And then one day when we were at one of the Barry Phil extravaganza, you know, meetups with the team, I asked him and I asked Justin, I said, Hey, could we do tokens on lightning? And they both said, yeah, probably. And that was it. It was like, okay, <laughs> like now I, I was like, all right, if this is possible, then that means we can bring gift cards to retail using tokens and blah, 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 blah. And like the very next conference I was at um, was this conference in Malta where uh, 
Paulo Arduino from Bitfinex and Tether, um, Giacomo Zucco from RGB, and Oleg from Folger Ventures, who's also an investor in, in both of our companies, a very film synonym. Um, they were all there. And I said, hey, this is what I want to do. And I want I have this whole strategy for BitRefill to do gift tokens and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they all agreed. Like they all said, okay, let's try to make RGB into this. And so that was kind of the start of, you know, some of the, where, where the, the token stuff came in, how I became uh, closer to Paulo as well. Um, and in Oleg, of course. And uh, then we did the integration with Bitfinex while I was at Bitrefill, where we integrated Bitrefill's gift card widget into Bitfinex. And we kind of basically convinced them to add Lightning Network at the same time as a settlement method. And that was the begin that was the first major exchange to add Lightning. And so that was another way that I got closer to Bitfinex when, when I was working with them on that. And so finally, like I just started coming up with, and you can even ask Sergey about this, like when we were in Sweden at a later extravaganza, I was showing him like all these like mind maps of like all these ideas of things that BitRefill could do and all these different categories. And back then it was like a mess, you know, but I started like polishing that and I started really wanting to do like all of it. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't, it still wasn't, it didn't become polished until months late, months after I left BitRefill. But like I did kind of like, you know, I, I tried to like say, hey, can to Sir, I talked to Sergey. I was like, you think that we could like find a way to do these things? And it was just so, it was just way too much. You know what I mean? It was so off the path that Refill was already on. And so I went and I went and asked Paulo, I said, Hey, you know, like I've talked to you about a lot of ideas of things that I want to do, things that I thought maybe we could do at BitRefill. If, if I don't, if I can't do them at BitRefill, can I do them with you? And he said, yes. And so basically, you know, I, we, I, I left BitRefill amicably. I still talk to Sergey all the time. Um, I still love BitRefill. I'm still technically a shareholder at BitRefill. Um, and so, uh, you know, I have a, I really, really respect Sergey and your entire team. And so, I, but I did leave so I could do something, you know, much, much more, uh, I don't know, ambitious, I guess you could say, which is a, a word a lot of people like to use, which is sometimes an insult and sometimes a compliment. Um, but, um, and I spent a few months basically just designing this, uh, this company, what the product stack would be and trying to address this like hyper Bitcoinization problem. And what I came up with is that, you know, I could figure out the stack of apps and tech that we could use to kind of fill all the gaps with the circular economy. But there was this whole subset of use cases that were missing. And it was basically that Google killer idea. It was like, how do we attach metadata to things and put you know, search algorithm and in, into the hands of the user instead of the hands of like Google or, or a master, you know, website. And that kind of became the foundation of the concept for slash tags. And we were, we worked with a team called um, Hyperdivision. I think they're changing their name now though. Um, and they helped kind of make a few, one or two different versions of slash tags. Um, and they kind of weren't exactly what we were looking for. And then we landed finally on, on what we have now. And so, yeah, that's a long rant, but that kind of, I think mostly answers your questions. <laughs> it definitely does. And I appreciate it. Uh, and it kind of, cause I remember the announcement, I was like, oh, I wonder like why and how the whole bit for next thing came about. Cause obviously it just, it hadn't really like occurred or made much sense to me, but that obviously clearly gives me a lot more understanding and background as to like where this idea has come from as well. And that kind of, technically it's kind of somewhat been decade plus in the making to a degree, right? Like, as you said, in some ways, idea. 
And also like a lot of people think that's like a lot of people take a, a first glance at what we're doing and they say, oh, it's a tether company and they're doing tokens on lightning. It's just all about tether. But that's actually like that. That's why I tell that story is because that that token was like a side the, the token on lightning stuff was like a side goal that I had since I was at Barry Phil. And that just only what that just only made everything else complimentary. Like Paulo's interest in this company has very, very little to do with the token stuff. It had, you know, he is very, very interested in seeing like the self-sovereign web kind of concept. He was already working on some things. Like he, he was friends with the Hyperdivision guys and working with them on projects before I arrived. And so they were already trying to figure out how to apply things like decentralized, you know, storage and, and these kind of networking concepts before I even arrived. And so it was all complimentary. Like that's why that it all gelled together. And the white reason why it was so easy for me to kind of transition and can and can convince these companies to do this um was that they were already wanting to kind of pretty much go in this direction anyway yeah i was just saying i can understand why why bit refill didn't go with this idea because obviously it doesn't really as you say it doesn't really gel with what the, the it's a totally journey. different kind of yeah. business yeah it's just like one of the kind of clutch hinge things that made it was that this vision that i'm doing requires building a wallet like that mm -hmm. like you have to have be ready to like build a new wallet build a new user experience in that wallet that includes a bunch of other things that haven't been done before and that is a huge gap to go from being like very fill e-commerce to being like a software you know app building company yeah and so I have a feeling that you guys still will end up building a wallet someday, <laughs> but um, you know, maybe it'll be more like, you know, combined with the app and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Um, John, so um, you've been prior to launching Synonym, you've been working on this for two years. What would you say were your biggest challenges and what are currently your biggest challenges, you know, building this massive ecosystem? That's a good question and a rare question. Um, I like to talk about this kind of stuff. That's why I have um, my own podcast called The Biz because I people don't talk about like how business development works, how, how strat you know anything to do with strategy. It's never part of the conversation. And I think that like one of the first things I noticed when I was doing this is everybody acts like they know how to do this. They, everybody acts like they know how to do a startup. They know how to do a Bitcoin startup. They know how to raise money. They know like it, it, they just talk about it like oh I've known always known how to do this. But there's no there's no rules there. There's no like reference that you can read that tells you the way to do specifically like making a Bitcoin company. Like it, it's all really just figuring it out for yourself. And I became very frustrated with that. Like I was having all these really interesting calls with people and having to like figure out my own method for like mind mapping and developing all these ideas. But there was no way for me to share any of that with people. And that was why I ended up making the biz podcast was because I, I just, the, the, the original idea was I literally wanted to record all of my private business development calls with people and just publish those. But that turns out to be illegal and in most places. And so I didn't do it that way um, and just did, a, did a, a business podcast. But um, yeah, so the first challenge was just kind of like, like, discovering everything in the dark, you know, just figuring out how do I go from having no company to having like a vision and, you know, a product, you know, plan, a roadmap and, and, you know, employing people, getting funding, everything like that, you know, signing contracts, negotiating term sheets and all these things. Like 
they're different every time. And there's that, don't let anybody tell you that there's a certain way that everybody does it because there are no rules to any of this. You just do it how you want to, and you make everybody bend to what makes sense for you. And you just have to make sure that, you know, what you're asking for does make sense that you have rationalized it and researched it. Um, another challenge was having to do a lot of research. Like when you're doing like decentralized web tech, it's like endless, endless research. It goes back decades. <laughs> and so like to make sure you're not making something somebody already made, that you're not like neglecting to leverage something somebody already made and, you know, making mistakes because, you know, I like to say that the decentralized web kind of industry is just riddled with failure. Like nobody other than maybe like Napster, BitTorrent, you know, things like this, like nobody has ever had successes with like getting people to use keys. Nobody has had successes with getting people to like be responsible for their own data. People don't even host their own email anymore. You know, like everybody just uses Gmail, even businesses use Gmail. Like it's like the, the self-sovereign aspect of the web as a culture is basically gone. Um, and we have to try to figure out a way to revive that and justify reviving it, like with actual utility and use cases and incentives for people to stop doing what they're doing and do something else, which is not easy. Um, sorry, what was the second? You, you, those are some challenges. I mean, I, I could keep going, but there was a second half of your question. What was it? Um, what are your current challenges now? right now oh the challenge is now so one of the reasons one of the big reasons why we even announced the company when we did because we're still not done with everything like i i would have stayed in self, self mode another year but one of the big challenges is that um it's very very difficult to recruit while you're in stealth mode because you have no reputation you have no like hype about you you have no website you know and so to go out and try to recruit people it was basically like me on twitter linking people to my medium blog and having a job listing there and that that that's pretty difficult to like find good people although we did get really lucky and i am actually really happy with the people we have on the team right now and so um it wasn't so bad because at least it was people that like already were like associated with my Twitter and followed me or new people that followed me. So there was like kind of like a web of trust already. And so it made recruiting not so bad, but for some of the roles, it's just, it's just really difficult. And so we, we are now we, we announced the company. And so that was one of the, the current challenges. Um, another one is learning to scale a company. You know, I've never managed a company, you know, that had more than, I don't know, five people before. Um, and now, you know, we're approaching 10 people and we probably need to grow the company into 20 or more people within the next year just to be able to do all the things we want to do. And so, yeah, recruiting, scaling the company to be like bigger, um, dealing with the dynamics of like how this is a tether company. It's not like a normal startup. And so we're kind of like a mixed company with Bitfinex and tether. And so we like share resources, like we have, you know, we use the legal, we don't have our own legal team. We use their legal team. We use Bitfinex's HR for things and things like this. So it's like um, navigating this kind of newly designed sort of company setup was also another one.